0: Welcome to Died Hard, the comedy podcast that dives deep into your favorite comedians' least favorite gigs and the lessons they've learned along the way. I'm your host, comedian Ben Owen, and I'm here to teach you the most valuable lesson in comedy. If you're not laughing, you're learning. Join me each week as I sit down with some of the funniest minds in the business, from absolute newcomers to comedy legends, discussing everything from our love of comedy to the horror that is gong shows, This week we're joined by an amazing comedian, he's part of Murder Inc, an incredible murder mystery improv night, he's got loads of stand-up on YouTube, and you might have caught him at Creatures Comedy, amongst a variety of other things. Please give a warm virtual welcome to David Stanya. Oh shucks, thanks, thanks for having me. Great, yeah, uh, it's brilliant to have have you with us, David. I can't believe I'd started it with just kind of stuttering all my words, (laughs) but it's great to have you with us. (laughs) don't be
1: nervous
0: (laughs) it's more i'm literally i've mentioned this i think every episode i'm sat by a window every time i hear a fire engine go past and i'd seen it and i was like oh it's about to happen and it didn't put its siren on and it threw me off (laughs) so
2: what do you live near a lot of fires what's going
0: on obviously (laughs) evidently not if they're not putting on the sirens I think uh, a bit of general crime, but also I'm literally, if you go out my house, you turn a corner and it's the fire station. So they all come from there.
1: Mm.
0: Well, (laughs) handy, handy if you're set on fire. It is (laughs) handy if I'm ever set on fire, really inconvenient if I'm recording a a podcast near to a fire station. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it sounds like Uh, they're
2: being considerate, at least for the initial launch.
0: At least today, I think they saw me glare at them and then we're like we won't we're sorry <laughs> keep it down guys It's recording a podcast <laughs> um so we'll uh we'll dive straight into it if you're okay with that i'm okay with that yeah let's Great dive stuff. on it so awesome so we kind of find uh in terms of understanding you know the highs the lows of your career understanding who you are and and what you're about with comedy the best place uh to do that is at the very beginning it's understanding you know why and uh uh, do any of us decide we should try comedy <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what what was that for you what was that decision like oh we're going back
2: now um I I started in my third year of uni um uh, I just as kind of I don't know I think there's a few pinpointy things I can think back on one's oddly Russell Brand <laughs> No, yeah. um when it was when he was kind of kicking off as a comedian rather than whatever the yeah. hell he's doing now and um <laughs> extremism
0: yeah. maybe <laughs> know, yeah something like
2: that <laughs> right wing something i don't know but um
1: yeah
0: <laughs> and uh
2: it was when he was like big old backcombed and had his radio show that caused all the controversy but uh he had this stand-up yeah. routine on um an amnesty international night about i think it was ian huntley doing voodoo in prison and uh <laughs> yeah. And uh, that, that's great. And I can never find it on YouTube since. But um, I remember seeing that and thinking, yeah, that that's good. I like that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just I was kind of getting to the end of uni and thinking, what to do with my life? And um, I kind of looked at people I liked, people I'd like to be. And it was stuff like The Mighty Boosh and Shooting Stars and Alan Partridge and Spaced. And a lot of that did start with stand-up. Yeah. So that just seemed like... The right next step to take. Mm.
0: Definitely, I, I think there's definitely that energy in kind of I've like I've seen some of your stuff come up on YouTube and everything. there's there is that energy. of like, oh, this is a guy that that would like that kind of wacky comedy, that Mighty Boosh, and the things that you kind of look at it and you're like, I don't know why this is funny. I wish this wasn't funny, but this is really <laughs> funny. Oh. Well, that's very kind to say. Like, I'm definitely
2: stand, <laughs> sitting on the little shoulders of these giants, like a. Yeah, silly parrot, but um, You're just yeah, on the that's definitely bold, Greg. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like those are definitely
0: um, my influences. Um, yeah,
1: I think Russell like, Brand cause...
0: definitely stands out in the mix of the people that you've said that everyone else, I'm like, yeah, yeah, makes sense. And, <laughs> like, and Russell Brand,
2: <laughs> well, he kind of used to have his surreal moments, like, he used to work with this guy called Matt Morgan, and he was very he... kind of like a bit weird and uh, has a lot yeah. of his own stuff he can like check out. And I think that kind of pulled him more towards the alternative kind of ways. Like, um, yeah. in fact, even Noel Fielding and Russell Brand being on the Big Fat Quiz the year back in the day—that, yeah. like, that was the kind, of, kind of similar kind of wheelhouses, I guess.
0: Yeah, there, mm. I I love those those old episodes of Big Fat Quiz. Mm. I think that was they they never have those perfect teams on anymore
2: no yeah they just don't quite get it quite right like it's still a good watch at christmas It's a good watch
0: but i I always wish there was one person like you used to kind of tune in and you could guarantee you'd get russell brandon no field in or after that it would be no field in richard aiwadi and you could guarantee like they'll be on and now they're just like uh we've got someone from america because we can uh and maybe James Acaster's shown up and Catherine Ryan's here as well. And you're like, okay, yeah, nice. But where's the team? Where's my team? (laughs) Yeah. Where's my team? (laughs) I watch it purely to support them. I'm like, they'll lose. They've lost every year. I'm here to watch them lose and cheer them on.
2: I think that's a hard thing to navigate on those things though. Like the losing on purpose. I think it's been done once properly. And, yeah, I think I'd just play it properly if I went on, not try and
0: ruin it for yeah, a laugh. I, I don't think my ego would let me kind of be on it and do a bad job. Yeah. I think I'd i be studying a for a week. <laughs> I'd be binging 365 days on the news to just be like, okay, right. I think I know everything. <laughs> I'd probably still lose. But...
2: but you give it a good old college try.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, do you do you remember the the first comedian or the first gig that you saw? Was that was that Russell Brand? Was it? Um, no, I, di- I
2: did see Russell Brand back in the day uh, live, but um, yeah. I think I think I started like most of the country where I definitely saw a Peter K DVD and was like, yeah. "What is this?" <laughs> um, this is
0: episode four of the podcast. That's been said four well, times. There we go. <laughs> well, <for> four, four, <laughs> baby. <laughs>
2: Um, well, I do think it was just part of the 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 culture at that time. It definitely launched a lot of, like, comedy boys out there. And yeah. then, and that was kind of my introduction to, like, comedy DVDs. Then um, yeah. I think Dylan Moran Monster stands out for around that time as well.
0: Oh, that's, uh, I- I've seen that one. I don't watch much Dylan Moran, but I've seen it. I think I heard it, actually. I think it's on Audible right randomly available (laughs) and one night i was like ah just download everything that's just on included (laughs) and i think that was one of them well
2: yeah again i don't really watch much dylan moran myself but uh that one yeah just right time right place kind of thing yeah um and then the actual i think the first live comedy i must have seen was the mighty boosh live show again um yeah in in stoke-on-trents they came to my town (laughs) um (laughs) But then I was thinking about this as well. It's like, I didn't really watch that much comedy live before I started. Like, I've definitely been to a lot more, probably a lot less comedy as an audience member than most Mm. people who don't do comedy, which is probably bad.
0: (laughs) Do you know, I've, I've heard it a lot, especially doing this and kind of talking to people while I get ready to do this podcast, is that a lot of people kind of think, especially like, whether it's that they've always thought oh I'll get into comedy or whether it's that they've got into comedy and so stopped watching as much comedy where mm. a lot of people think I don't want to I don't want to go and I don't want to see it because it will influence my writing and maybe I'll accidentally nick someone's joke or do something like that mm. where I've always kind of found like I'm completely the opposite I've started well like I've always I've been comedy obsessed since I was a little kid uh, but then I started doing comedy and I thought like, oh, I, I've got to kind of pay tribute to everyone that's made me want to do this. So I'll give them right. all of my money. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's probably the best way to go about it. Because, yeah, like I do find if I do go and see some comedy or I'm even just waiting for my go, like yeah. that's when I find my mind kind of writing a little bit like more. Because I don't know, because you're in the 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 place where it happens so i don't know yeah you can kind of see what works in a room better by being in a room
0: so i think it's helpful it helps you you shine a light on like oh the topics that i've never thought about that an audience like really resonates with where it's like Mm. oh i've had that experience that he's talking about as well but the complete other side of the coin and people seem to resonate with the experience so maybe i'm going to talk about that
2: yeah sure like yeah, coming from another angle and all, like you say, other side of coin,
0: flip it yeah. there.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think like I, I've i always, every gig that I go to, I never understand where people who, especially people when they've not come far to do the mm. gig, kind of like come and they're like, oh, I'm the second one up. I'll do my 10 minutes and then I'll go home. Because I've as a comedy obsessive, I'm very much like, oh, I'm the second one on. That means there's four people that I get to watch and just enjoy four comedians now.
2: Mm, yeah, and then because you've been on, you can relax a little and like, just yeah. enjoy the night a bit more. I mean, I've definitely been guilty of like going going home if it's definitely if there's a journey involved yeah. or a train to catch and it is the difference between like, getting home at say 10 or half 11, then I'll then yeah. I'll, I'll bow out and say my goodbyes. But yeah, especially if it's just in Manchester, where, where I live, then yeah, yeah stick
0: around. <laughs> It, it's always been my thought because it's like I'm so I'm in Chesterfield, but it's like if I'm doing a gig in Sheffield, it's a ten-minute train trip. I'm mm. kind of like you know, if you can stay, just just watch. Yeah.
1: Come but on, if stay.
0: It's, yeah, if it's like you're doing Sheffield to London or Sheffield to Manchester, even it's like it's, you know, it's forty-five minutes. The rest of the gig you'd be home by the time the last person's put the mic back in the stand like i I understand leaving there but then it's like if you know you if you would get home before the gig's even finished just stay Mm. unless
2: you know the act on and you hate them
0: then go yeah if it's one of them comedy dicks
2: just, just leave don't even say bye
0: yeah (laughs) <laughs> so i've uh i've seen some of your gigs i've seen some of the stuff that you put online um i think the one gig that i've probably not seen is your first gig how, how did it go was it a great gig was it a bad gig was it a middling gig uh i definitely did badly <laughs> i would
2: say <laughs> um it was like i say the last year of uni and like getting towards halfway through that last year and it was an open mic with like and a proper open mic with like acoustic acts and poets and like that sort of stuff. Uh, it was run by a guy called Chris Foster. Um, he's in Lancaster as well. He's a bit of a Lancaster legend. Um, yeah. and he, he was at the uni as well. And um, I even brought along two friends from Stoke and a couple of friends yeah. from uni just to come and see. And yeah, it. That, looking back, it's like I don't know why it didn't discourage me. <laughs> Like, because um, it really was that bad and even one of the per- people I brought even shouted I can't hear you it's
1: like,
0: <laughs> that's so. when you know that you've done bad is being heckled by the people who are essentially <laughs> contractually obliged to support yeah. you
2: <laughs> and I suppose it was a supportive heckle of I'd like to hear you but I can't <laughs> but,
0: yeah. but I feel like that it's a step away from being <laughs> like when you hold the mic don't point it that way Put it near your chin and then we'll hear you better. Yeah. I mean, it's useful, uh, but not in the moment. I think one um, of the worst gigs that I've had, I I brought two friends down. They came all the way from Doncaster uh, and they came to just see me die. mm. Like (laughs) there was about five people, five other people in the room that did not come to see me. They came to have a meal and my two friends had to kind of watch me and politely kind of chuckle and i was <laughs> the whole time i was thinking like right do i stop and not get paid and go home <laughs> or do i just carry on and i thought i'm just gonna run this into the ground and i think i added about 20 minutes extra material right I was just like you know we're, I'm, I'm the only act on tonight so we're just really gonna drag this out <laughs> <laughs> I but think, hey, uh, you, did, the, did you, you did your job. <laughs> exactly. The guy booking the gig definitely felt sorry for me. He bought me, uh, well, not bought me, he gave me from behind the bar a cactus gin, uh, like a whole bottle. I looked at the value, it was about 45 quid. Wow. Uh just gave it me, and he was like, I think you've earned this. <laughs> I was like,
2: oh. Here, drink yourself to death.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was a step away from being like, chug it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You want yeah. to earn my respect in any way? <laughs> drink this cactus. Yeah,
0: but I think I um, definitely I resonate with what you said that you don't know how after that gig uh, it didn't put you off. I think comedians have that that real strength to just be like, didn't work. Hold my hands up. Let's try it again. Yeah, it's it's a uh, unique strength. <laughs> I would say. I think most people, most wise people, would think I'm not good at this. Actually. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but
2: but no, yeah. And then I think I've then organized a quick, like, two in the local student bar with, like, yeah. like uh, two gigs after that. And where, I don't know, I felt a bit, again, this weird confidence about myself. Like, no, I'm sure I can do this. And um, yeah. those went a bit better. And then I think that's
0: why I was just like, right, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, I think someone once told me one of the wisest things I've been told with it is that doing a bad gig in comedy is quite literally like having a car crash, in the sense that the thing they tell you to try and do immediately is go out and drive again.
1: Mm-hmm. And he
0: was saying it's like, if you ever have a bad gig, if it's you think it's the worst gig you've ever had, book as soon as possible your next gig and try, even if it's old material that you know worked, he was like, just go out, do that one, because you'll immediately, you'll kind of forget, oh, I've just had the worst gig of my life.
2: Sure, yeah, because, yeah, you're always kind of remembering the last one. So, yeah, mm. that makes
0: good advice, whoever said that. That's not like a smart man There you go. or person. I think it wasn't even a comedian that said it to me. I think it was a guy behind the bar at a venue who was just watching had a car me car for, for 15 minutes. Oh, right. He <laughs> yeah, okay. just crashed his car on his way into work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do no, you years. know how I'm
1: gonna get home?
0: Drive. <laughs> <laughs> what was the very worst gig that you've had?
2: Now, um see I, I struggled to think about these this. I've got I've got I'd say two and a half. <laughs> yep, <laughs> The First one, and the rule from when I kind of started out, which kind of makes sense, but um, there was a beat the frog, and I never got along with beat the frog. Um, yeah. just I, yeah, to know that kind of crowd, maybe, and they can smell fear as well. And just being yeah. so high up, I think, made me nervous. But beforehand in the gig, like I was talking to another comedian, I think it was Rich Wall, who doesn't do comedy anymore, but um, yeah. And he would like introduce me to like a friend of a friend, who that who took an interest in me romantically. I thought, well, that's nice, yeah. but I've got a gig to do, so I went off and did, did that. But she got one of the cards because, like, beat the frog. It's the one where yeah, it's a gong show where there's yeah. three people in the audience. If they don't like it, they put up a card, and you have to go home. Um, and so what? what so this girl had one of the cards, and I went yeah. up, and I was dying, dying bad but this one girl was not putting up a card Uh, and I was, it was getting rowdy as well. Like people shouting at this woman. (laughs) And and so I kind of like, I wasn't, I just like, I wanted to leave myself as well. So almost waiting on stage for her to just mercy kill you. (laughs) Like you think you're being nice, but you're not. (laughs) This is torture. So so I used to said what had happened, how uh, she'd asked for my number earlier and, um, and she's now got this card because I also didn't want to be accused of cheating as well. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, so uh, straight away her card goes up. Then and like I thought that would just be it. I can just walk off the stage and but no, Phil Ellis joined me on stage <laughs> and put his arm around me and just said, oh, I, "I don't know what we do now, David," because I don't know if I technically beat the frog, but I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just said I probably should should go. And he was like, "Yeah, that's right." <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, just um, everyone getting really angry at me almost cheating at beat the frog.
0: Did you ever hear from that girl again? Though that's the question. No, no, no. (laughs) That's I feel like that's maybe the worst thing. (laughs) That would be a great twist, wouldn't it? Uh, She tortured me then, and she tortured me for years to come. Yeah. Oh, I I could not imagine the one I, I'd hate to do a gong show, but I'd hate to do a gong show if my wife had one of the cards. Yeah, <laughs> I think that would be possible. I'd, but I think maybe we've been together long enough that she'd just be like, I don't want to hear it. She'd be
1: the yeah. first card up.
2: <laughs> the only one with a card up.
0: <laughs> Welcome to the stage. Benno went, nope. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so uh, no. that that's your worst gig number one. What are the other one and a half worst gigs?
2: Uh, number two was again a Gong show. It was King Gong at the, the Comedy Store, yeah. and this is a quicker story, but um, it's yeah. like there's about thirty people there because they get through you like wildfire, and I must have been on twenty fourth or something. So just waiting yeah. for that, all of all, oh, it's a good two and a half hours or something. And then I get called up, march to the stage and straight away, just the cable falls out of the microphone. And so I have to reach down and scoop it up and try and do that, which I've never done before. And then yeah. I think I said like one line, like which all kind of added up to about 20 seconds and they were like, Nope, <laughs> this guy yeah. can't even do a microphone.
1: And I remember looking across
2: at McFerry. Who just shrugged at me and just gonged me off, and that was it. <laughs> it's, just, it's such a waste of time.
0: <laughs> I always kind of wonder with gong shows who has a harder job the the comedian or the person that has to book for gong shows because of the amount of people you've got to get booked for that night.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah because yeah, it's usually in
0: a... everyone.
2: I think the demand is there though, <laughs> like. It seems, yeah. I think, I think gong shows are quite necessary as a bit of a filter, a bit of a gate. Otherwise, I mean, there's far too many people trying it as it is, <laughs> not trying to do comedy. Yeah. Um, so if we have a little bit of a filter, a little a bit of a
0: turnstile, yeah. So, uh, for, for everyone that listened to the last episode of the podcast it was a very anti-gong show episode. <laughs> so you strike me as someone who's done quite a few gong shows. Is your stance pro or, or anti-gong show? I mean,
2: I hated them, but I'm pro them. Mm. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I think because it, one of the arguments is like, oh, doesn't doesn't give your acts time to breathe. You you only have five minutes. So you've got to keep their attention. So yeah, you've got yeah. to keep their attention. <laughs> well, that is, that's a good thing to be like, making jokes quickly um yeah um, I mean yeah it made the competitive nature I'm not a competitive guy I did quite like that for some reason like I'm a a fan of a comedy competition as well I I like being compared and ranked and in a structured organized way
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah. I think of it's not quite being competitive it's just wanting to know you're the funniest man in the room (laughs) that's the one (laughs) yeah so I like I, I think you you do raise a good point that like because I'm I've not a big fan of gong shows but more in terms of like I think I'd get so anxious that I just would chicken out but I think you raise a good point of because it, it does kind of teach you like how do you immediately get that crowd's attention and how do you kind of learn oh this bit has kind of run its course move straight on to the next one
1: because
0: mm. I've done gig after gig where I've been like you know, I've planned out a whole section where I'll give seventeen funny examples of something, and I've stuck with like all the examples when they only found it funny like the first three times. Right. And you keep going, and you're like, it's like this.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's no room for diminishing returns in in the yeah. gongs.
0: <laughs> I uh, I then... used to have a bit. John, but then
2: uh, then you could argue. Stuart Lee was never going to do well at a gong show, and nor should he. (laughs) (laughs) I'd quite like to see Stuart Lee at a gong show.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'd quite like to see a lot of famous acts at a gong show, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think they'd survive. (laughs) (laughs) I think um, I I used to have a bit where I would kind of talk about, um, it, like, you know, when you're a comedian, if you tell someone you're a comedian, the first thing that they'll do is they'll always say, oh, tell us a joke and you'll try and tell that joke and it will ultimately fail because it it doesn't work when you're off stage uh but i gave the example of like asking a comedian to tell you a joke is like going up to someone who works in subway and just randomly being like oh make us a sandwich and they found that premise quite funny but then i would go Mm. like yeah, it's like looking at them and going, yes, yeah, so I'll have a hearty Italian, foot long, cut in half, cheese and toasted, and I'll have these fillings. And like, I think it was funny when I'd said like, hearty Italian and I was specific. And then after that, I just kind of went through a whole order and you slowly <laughs> hear the laughs kind of one by one. People be like, <laughs> it's gone too long. <laughs> just giving your actual subway order out. <laughs> yeah. But it killed right the next the part sorts. of the joke. The next part was arguably the funnier part, which is me saying, It's like if you met a gynecologist and going, i've got this ratch but then because i put that right at the end after the subway order everyone was always like we're we're done now (laughs) but it was a it's a bit of material that i've wisely ditched i mean uh, yeah
2: um with with, like things kind of you, you do kind of learn like you say i think there is definitely good old long jokes but you do yeah. like learn kind of, I don't know, not brevity, but uh, efficiency. That's the one. Yeah. Like, I think efficiency is good in comedy, but then I regularly underrun. <laughs> so what do I know? <laughs> yeah.
0: I've, uh, I I think I'm yet to underrun, um, mm. but I think that comes from the first ever gig I did was 45 minutes i'd never done right, play yeah i'll do it <laughs> <And I laughs> 45 minutes so i can pad now i can pad for days and how did the 45 minutes go when you started off with that extremely and how did that come well about? <laughs> um i basically i booked on to do um it was it was an open mic um, micro pub here in chesterfield mm. so in chesterfield no real comedy scene, not in our pubs. Like we, you know, we get Ed Gamble comes through, Kevin Bridges comes through, but like, we don't really have any comedy clubs. We don't have things like that, but this place, they put on an open mic and I thought, I've always wanted to try comedy Um, and I'll do it and I'll do it now. And it will be, you know, like a a semi-professional gig. They would pay in their acts. It was a nice little thing. And they were like, okay, before you, there's going to be a singer, a pianist, a singer and another singer, and then it'll be you. I was thinking, oh great. And I get there and they're like, we're just waiting for everyone else to turn up. And I was like, great, when's it meant to start? And they were like, about five minutes ago. And right. so I was like, okay. And we waited 10 more minutes and no one came. And he was like, well, I don't want to lose money. You do comedy. Do you want to just kind of mm. go out and, <laughs> and just do as long as you want? <laughs> just uh, never stop doing it. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> stupidly. I just kind of went, yeah, fine. And so I had all these bits, and I think uh, there was maybe about ten jokes in there, and each joke I'd planned was maybe about a minute to a minute and a half, so it'd be mm. about ten to fifteen minutes as a set, which I think is even maybe too long for your first ever set anyway. <laughs> uh, but I thought I'll give it a try, and then every bit I thought, well, I've got loads of time, so I'll uh, I'll just pad, just pad mm. for content, and I <laughs> just kept going. Nice. <laughs> Wow, (laughs) 45 minutes
2: man like especially in the early days I was so eager just to like say my things and go (laughs) so yeah yeah I wasn't much of a pad man
0: (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) I think I'm I've become one of them people probably because of that that I don't at all I don't like the feeling before a gig and I don't like the feeling straight after a gig I only really like the feel enduring like when I'm talking and I'm on stage. And so I think it's really like it's helped when there are those nights where it's like just pad a bit because someone's mm. dropped out or like we've got a guy but it's his first gig so he's only doing five minutes so you've got 15 now. So I quite enjoy it when they're like free reign and you're like oh cool <laughs> I wrote this joke and I don't know if it works so I'll try it. Cool and I bet you get like little extra lines out of it from your padding from your Paddington (laughs) Bear I always wish I was good at doing crowd work because of that because I always think like it would be the perfect thing to try Mm. when you know that you've got this crowd work is being like you know for five minutes I'm going to talk to everyone and be like what do you do but I'm always worried someone's going to be like "Uh, I euthanize dogs (laughs) (laughs) for fun (laughs) Yeah, that's a hobby. I'm actually a
1: teacher.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's like as soon as someone says something weird, like I've I've seen gigs where someone kind of throws something out that's not their job, just to kind of throw people off. Yeah, yeah, sure. They're just like, oh, I'm a a child amputee. (laughs) Not a child amputee. A child amputee. (laughs) (laughs) You shouldn't be at this show. (laughs) <laughs> like I, I've seen people kind of lie and say like, oh, I specialize in amputations for kids. And you're like, well, where are we going with this then? Yeah. What am I going to say? <laughs> like my son's got a sore leg. Do you want to <laughs> come around? There's
2: nothing sounds, that you can do. <laughs> sounds like you got <laughs> off on the wrong foot. know.
0: it doesn't work. <laughs> that, no, I I think you could make that work quite well. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, oh, I wouldn't want to get off on the wrong foot with you. And yeah. goes, <laughs> I think that does demonstrate the intricacy of a joke, love, is that you can say, sounds like we got off the, on the wrong foot, and everyone would be like, ooh, didn't quite work, but then yeah. you can change it to wouldn't want to get off on the wrong foot with you, and then everyone's like, ah, I see what you did. Ah,
2: language. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think that's the thing that people don't really realize in comedy as well is that 90 percent of it is about finding the correct word to use because mm. if you're just like yeah this word will be fine joke will die but if it's the correct words in the correct order it's like it's almost poetry but less talents
1: yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean a lot of poetry's bollocks so
1: like
0: uh, all poetry is bollocks <laughs> <laughs> I'm yet to hear a good poem, I think. Kind of related
2: on that, and I'll go for my, my two and a half the half bit. Like yeah. um my it's this is only bad because it's like it was the one time my mum saw me and do stand-up before although she's seen me since, but there was a good yeah. like years worth of gap. And um, I remember I did a throwaway line, because it sounded a bit Russell Brandy, and it was the, yeah. the punchline was something about wanking in an inflatable chair on your birthday.
1: <laughs> and yeah. I,
2: I can't remember the setup or anything, but that is all my mum ever remembered from stand-up. And it got brought up, just constantly got brought up in my wedding. Got Yeah, just like, <laughs> like so I put that in one of my worst gigs of just bad decisions with bad language.
0: <laughs> yeah
2: not the right order of
0: words there (laughs) did you uh did you try the same thing as me of uh with a wedding of thinking like oh people expect now i have to be funny so it's gonna be a 10-minute stand-up set from me (laughs) um i
2: didn't do a stand-up set but i did get laughs baby (laughs) yeah Um, no yeah i definitely i think in most wedding speeches you've got to put a few laughs in (laughs) yeah but uh, it wasn't stand up as
0: such, but um, just mostly telling my wife I loved <laughs> Yeah, I did a, a lot of that, but I thought, you know, this is too softy for me. People expect the laughs. Mm. So I tried to improvise on the day some jokes, <laughs> which uh, I worried in retrospect that maybe I insulted a few people that I've not spoken to since the wedding. <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe that's my worst gig, my wedding. <laughs> Well, I, w- I wouldn't say that regularly in front of your wife. <laughs> She's on holiday. It's fine. Uh... <laughs> she can't hear. <laughs> right, uh So the, the next thing is the best lesson that you've learned along the way. So every bad gig has got to come with its, its great lessons. Maybe even some good gigs come with great lessons. So are there things that you've learned? Maybe you've been told them. Um. This is one I think I've
2: kind of learned myself, um, and it's have fun.
1: Like, um,
2: if you go on like expecting to have fun and just kind of look like you're having fun, then the audience is definitely going to be like more on board with you because yeah, it it kind of shows confidence as well. If you kind of like look like you, for one, it looks like you're confident in what you're saying, and. I don't know a bit of camaraderie as they kind of join in on you having fun. They're more likely to buy into it because, like, yeah. yeah, my stuff's quite silly as well, so it definitely suits the having fun vibe. But yeah. if I give them a whiff, a tiny little little morsel that I might not be having fun if I'm if I'm not into it either, then then I've lost everybody. It all yeah, I guess tumbles. that's the thing.
0: If you come out and you're trying to do some wackier stuff and you're looking at them like maybe you won't like this they're looking back at you like maybe we won't yeah <laughs> if you say so
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, uh, it's but a I bit think... like yeah no there no, go it's a bit like you know when someone is having a bad one and it happens but if they comment on it to get a laugh like they go oh this isn't going very well blah blah and you might even get a laugh out of that but you got one of them And it's like, where'd you go from there? I think, yeah, no surrender (laughs) and uh, having fun is kind of a good way to not surrender.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It never helps as well when the the joke that you make about how badly it's going is the biggest laugh that you get that night. Yeah, (laughs) Because then it's a pity laugh, really. It's Mm. like, no, it's not. And we wish you'd leave.
2: (laughs) Like, I I had a line which I've dropped as well because, again, it kind of like fueled that. Whereas like I do all my silly stuff and then I used to say, so I spend a lot of time alone in my room. So it kind of like that that kind of, but it just then undermines the whole kind of everything I'm doing here. It's just like, oh, it's just a stupid guy from his room who's weird. So, but it did get
0: such a big laugh. (laughs) Yeah. Without saying, hey, I'm shit. But like, Yeah. But I guess it's about then finding the the perfect place to thread in. Like, so I spend a lot of time alone in my room of like
1: mm. when
0: you can put in, maybe it's like a, a scenario where it's like the obvious course of action is to retreat back to an alone place and then you throw it yeah. in there and everyone's like, oh, we get it. But <laughs> then if you kind of, if you're on stage, like please respect me and then it's <laughs> immediately, I hate everyone. <laughs>
2: And in fact, it did lead into a joke about something I did in my room. But mm. like I say I just felt like it had that that undermining little crumble of the foundations, which I felt yeah not not helpful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, have you have you learned any more lessons? Is that your your key lesson? Is there anything that you um, lean on other than that?
2: I mean, this kind of relates back to the car crash one that you said earlier yeah. that um there was something going around when I started called Millikan's Law. I don't know if it's been brought yeah. up yet. It, 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 it's or, not. This is the no. first time I'm hearing about it. <laughs> um, It's Sarah Milliken. And she yeah. said it doesn't matter how bad or good the gig went the night before. I think it was you got till 11 o'clock the next morning to like just push it out of your mind and move on to the next one. Like obviously learn... Yeah lessons and stuff, but don't let it kind of either drag you down or like bolster you up too much. Like keep grounded just at a neutral level, I think is the gist. I might have absolutely butchered yeah. that, but like um yeah, Milliken's law. I like just having a something law as well. It sounds cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. I guess if you have butchered it, what you've done is created the Stanier law. Yeah. <laughs> My own. <laughs> which is but... vaguely similar and maybe plagiarised. <laughs> but... <laughs> I call it the Stanier Amendment. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. you got the Milken's <laughs> Law and the Stanier Amendment.
2: <laughs> it's just the same, but a bit different.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, we've actually got good news for you, which oh, is yeah. the comedy gods have smiled on you and they've decided your very worst gig that you've ever had and you can pick any of your two and a half they've, uh, they've smiled on you and they've given you a do-over and they've decided that you can curate a gig with your favorite ever line of comedians. But the catch is you have to curate that gig yourself. Uh, you got to create the whole run of the night. Uh, and we'll do that now.
2: I think I'm up to the task. <laughs> awesome. uh, okay, Cool. Um, because my, my first thought was to go like just your usual standards, pro night where you have your mc your opener your middle your headliner but i thought no that's not my favorite type (laughs) like um i prefer like it when it's more like a a gala i've never been to one but uh, when it's a comedy gala and it's all like the big names doing just 10 minutes each now usually for charity or something (laughs) um so i'm gonna have a gala and uh Yeah, my my own gala and uh, for charity and the charity is the
0: Stanier gala. The Stanier gala
2: for charity for helping cats with flat faces and little noses. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So so yeah, run me through the night. Okay, so MC. Oh, it's going to be first. It's going to be a mix of friends and like favorite acts. I reckon. Um, We have
0: to say as well. You are allowed comedians who have died, but they are in their current state of decomposing. Oh dear. <laughs> so oh no. they will be zombified and performing. Well, then everyone's going to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> we did have the dead Richard Pryor on the last <laughs> sure <Ooh>. one.
1: <laughs> God, <laughs> I mean,
2: what would the jokes be like? <laughs> I think outdated. Yeah. Um, MC, I'm going to go with Tony Basnett. Uh, He does uh, trapdoor comedy in Manchester, and he's a good friend. Um, and he's a very underrated MC, if you ask me. Like, out of some of the MCing I've seen recently, he's like really, really made like me laugh. He's good, and people should know that more. So that's why he's get he's on he's MCing Magala. (laughs) Um,
0: Awesome.
2: Also, I'm going to go for the gala, a three-four-three three formation. So I we'll have three acts, a break, four acts, a break, three. Um, yeah, great. And so first section, first act, I'm going to go for Alison June Smith. Uh, yep. If you, yep. And then... I don't think I've heard of her, but I, the, the
0: name does ring a bell.
2: She's a Canadian act. Uh, she's very good. Um, like a club headliner and one who, again, who... It's not quite broken into television yet, but you feel like it's just on the cusp. Um, yeah. So definitely worth checking out. She's got like quite a few podcasts, which are good as well. Like um, a new one about horror, which I've not checked out yet, but want to. But check her out, Alison June Smith. Um, putting it on then, my list to check. Yeah. 2nd <laughs> acts. axe, I'm going to go for Danny Sutcliffe, uh,
0: who's actually Alison June Smith's partner. So we've got a power couple to start mm-hmm. us off. Um, yeah and it's good that they're starting at the same time so they can yeah they can go if they want they can (laughs) drive
2: home together and be on early if they want to miss the traffic (laughs) Um, but uh, Danny Sutcliffe's definitely like my best pal in comedy um he was Mm -hmm. one of the best men at my wedding as well um he treated the uh the best man speech as a stand-up set I must say
0: (laughs) yeah classic best man. Yeah. so did mine, and he's a pianist, so what he was doing there,
2: <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> I'm imagining like a Tim Minchin style set now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. th- third act, I'm going to go Jamie Dimitriou with one of his silly characters Ooh, of sorts. Yeah. Um, then we'll have a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then fourth, I'm going to go Sean Morley. Uh, we we'll have to get him back from, I think he's in Amsterdam at the moment. But I love I Sean. Is, yeah. Um yeah, just so inventive and great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then fifth, I'm gonna go Rachel Fairburn.
1: Nice, uh, just,
2: again, good of uh, a pal and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um sixth, Sam Gore. Nah, he he still gigs quite a bit here and there, but uh, you'll know him better from something called ICU or IC News, where he does like a yeah. satirical news thing. But like, yeah, I've not gigged with Sam that much in the past few years, but whenever I see him, yeah, he's dead good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And then to close us off in this section, I'm going to go for the delightful sausage. Yeah. Uh, I saw their latest show at, um, at uh, a lovely time in Manchester recently and I've not laughed in something like for continuously for like an hour and like that in ages. So, yeah. yeah. Great stuff. <laughs> then we'll have a break. <laughs> and then, awesome. And then on to the final three yeah. of the night. Now, this, I'm going to have to get them back together. It's a a a double act called Peacock and Gamble. And uh this is basically uh, is a guy called Ian Boldsworth and his stage name is Ray Peacock, but he does not do stand up in the slightest anymore. Yeah. And and it's also Ed Gamble. And um so I'd have to try and get them back together for one night only. It probably cost about a million pounds or something. But yeah. <laughs> but if you could, <laughs> if you search Peacock and Gamble and I think it's Russell Howard's good news. They they do like a set on there, and I've watched that like about a thousand times, I think. So yeah, yeah. And they they used to have a podcast, but I think it's quite hard to find these days. But uh, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then um, ninth, it's me, <laughs> David yeah. Stanier. I'll go on ninth, <laughs> awesome. and then um, and
0: then your final like, act to bring it home.
2: I'll go nick helm and then we'll have a good old song as well to like get all raucous before we all go out into the car
0: park yeah <laughs> one and day like, someone will yeah. put me on their gig lineup oh sorry <laughs> i do think i acts though so I, I, i'm not taking a, a
2: chance on a wild card at my dream gala <laughs> got to think of them little cats with the, the flat faces
1: <laughs> and tiny noses yep.
0: <laughs> so to run through the list before we move on to the last two questions that are very quick questions the Stania Gala for Charity to Help Cats with Flat Faces and Little Noses. It's going to be MC by Tony Bazn- uh, by Tony Basnitz. We'll move on with Act One. It's Alison June Smith, then Danny Sutcliffe, then Jamie Dimitriou, then it's a break, then Sean Morley, Rachel Fairburn, Sam Gore, The Delightful Sausage, then a break, Peacock and Gamble, David Stanier, Nick Helm. Yeah, that sounds great. I'll buy a ticket now. I don't think you need to buy a ticket, you know. I think you're there.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, they might not let me in around the back, so. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh,
0: So, final two questions. Question one. Well, not question one, question seven. uh, Is there a comedian that you would love to hear on the podcast? It could be anyone, but I will be leveraging the sound of your voice to ask them to do the podcast. Oh, can you get Dave Chappelle? <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm joking. No, not, that's not my answer.
2: <laughs> uh, I think you should get Liam Bolton on. Uh, he's a Liverpool-based comedian, and I've never seen him die. Like, And he's he's quite an uh, alternative strange act as well. And yeah. yet just everyone goes with him. He's, he's brilliant. Um, so Liam Bolton, get
0: in. <laughs> yeah. Is that one of you just want to hear that he has died to feel more confident?
2: No, I would just want to hear more <laughs> of his voice, really. And maybe, just, yeah, I'd like, <laughs> I think it'd be interesting. I'd like to know how he would deal with it. Because, uh, yeah. yeah, like to look at him, he's quite, he could be considered quite an intimidating guy, but
0: he's not. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that'd be a
1: good okay.
2: guest.
0: Awesome. And the final question, and perhaps the most important question of the podcast, <laughs> Uh, Die Hard, Christmas movie, yes or no?
2: Yes, but I'll caveat, <laughs> the first time I watched it, it wasn't at Christmas, it was when you I was like a teenager. I yeah, I was yeah. a teenager and I think, I wonder if it's been presented as such to some people and that's the problem,
0: but nowadays, yeah. it's, it's a Christmas film. <laughs> I would say it's one of my favourite movies. I was, really weirdly, I was seven when I saw it it was on itv on a random saturday evening when i don't know where anyone else was but i was seven and allowed to see it Nice, uh but i've always i think i'd seen it as a child it was like this isn't a christmas movie because i'd never watched it at christmas and then Mm. one year i must have been about 11. i thought oh you know it's a christmas party there's a christmas tree maybe i'll watch it at christmas changed my mindset it's a christmas movie Right. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I agree with that. That was pretty much this, my same journey.
2: And I'd say yeah. it having the Christmas thing definitely gave it a Christmas boost as well. Like, I, I would argue, would Die Hard be as popular if it didn't have that Christmas theme? Because, like, Lethal Weapon used to be popular in the 80s and that had four yeah. films, but that didn't have Christmas. And now no one talks about Lethal
0: Weapon now. <laughs> People have had five songs. They're
2: five.
1: Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, I think I don't think it would be as popular if it wasn't Christmas. Because I think as well, you can't force people to watch it if there's no time of year set around <laughs> where it's like you have to watch it. It's tradition.
2: Mm. It's definitely like, like come into my routine of Christmas. Like I watched it last year.
0: And yeah, yeah, probably the year before. My wife's definitely only watched it because I. I as a rule on Christmas Eve night, I will watch it and I'll finish it at midnight because it finishes Mm. at midnight. Uh, So I set it on exactly two hours, 14 minutes before midnight. Nice. (laughs) And then it will finish perfectly.
2: (laughs) And then it's time to go to bed for Santa to come.
0: (laughs) Exactly. You got to shut your eyes because he'll know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, well, David, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been great to have you thank you for having uh, me yeah it's been fun we will always be welcome back if we figure out a format that we can bring people <laughs> back to talk about the exact same things oh, cool well, count me in <laughs> but um final little things this is your minute to plug you can plug whatever you want you can go over a minute i don't really mind
2: uh i'm gonna keep to the minute but uh cool <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs> Um, I've got a YouTube channel and there's like little videos on there, but there's also two like hour long online specials. Like one of what they think like Bo Burnham, but I did mine five months before he did his first one. So, <laughs> so yeah. um, I've got them and just like little videos and things. I also am part of a murder mystery improv group called uh, Murder Inc. They do shows in Manchester and Leeds every month. Um, they're worth checking out. That's good. Like I know improv might get a bad rap, but we're good at it and so um i love like, it yeah and uh otherwise social media <laughs> but, great yeah.
0: and i'll link all of that stuff below uh very Thank last you. thing that i'll say about comedy in this is uh, a little recommendation from me for anyone listening uh middle Eastern sports on netflix if you do like improv some of the best improv i've ever seen i nearly peed myself yeah. every episode <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, that was a good uh, one. I did really like that. Just because that's one of the two. Yes, that's the two guys with the, the middlemen and shorts. So exactly. Yeah, uh,
0: but yeah, David, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, you're welcome. Anytime, you can figure out the format to come back if you like. Okay, <laughs> you can improvise it. We'll do one hour <laughs> improv podcast. <laughs> great thank you so much for being with us thank you so much for listening uh we'll be back every single week uh with a new comedian and maybe this will never end because the comedians never seem to stop especially as middle-class white men we're all here <laughs> <laughs> we ain't going anywhere <laughs> uh, awesome share the podcast with people that you know uh listen on any app i don't i don't know what apps it's on the first episode's not out yet and we're recording episode four it'll be on the apps Uh, But thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.